0: This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz Basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome everybody into the Salt City Hoops Show. My name is Andy Larson. I'm the managing editor of saltcityhoops.com, ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Zach Harper, my co host, joins me every week. Yes. He is at Talk Hoops on Twitter. I am at Andy B. Larson. He is a knowledgeable gentleman. I am a. Uh, uh,
2: I would say you're probably more knowledgeable than I.
1: Uh, about what, exactly? Well,
2: I don't know. I've been reading up on gravitational waves today. So I'm, like, really into space. I saw The Martian. I saw Interstellar. Cool. Like, I'm really into the idea that we may have time travel.
1: Yeah. No, like, this is this is kind of a thing now yeah. that there's waves in, in space. I mean, uh, I yeah I, I mean I only read the New York Times article so I am I am a layman compared to I read two <laughs> articles today. I didn't understand
2: either one of them but I read two. Uh
1: but that I mean that makes you an expert in sure. in all of our eyes. I mean uh, uh, that's so cool. I I just think it's cool when when science is actually happening uh you know, now science is not like this, yeah. this dead thing that we learn about. You know, Newton had the apple fall on his head and we learned about gravity and right. that was it. I feel like, like we're still learning new things about gravity.
2: I feel like we should have had that gravity thing way before right? Newton,
1: way before. Newton.
2: <laughs> like, that's really a bad look on us.
1: Yeah, I. I... I, I, you're right. That that yeah. was not that long ago. Like we didn't have a Somebody word for it. Like they were, oh out.
2: yeah, it's got the dropsies or something like that. Like that should have been <laughs> the name for gravity at some point. There was no way
1: before. to describe how defenses went to a good shooter. You right? Know? Yeah. <laughs> that, it was just, just, uh,
2: they're swarming. I don't know. It
1: like. <laughs> just wasn't. We didn't have the language. I don't know what happened there. Anyway, this is not the science show. No. Um, this is the Salt City Hoop Show, where we talk about the Utah Jazz and NBA basketball every week. On ESPN 700. Um, as always, we want your feedback on today's show, so please give us a tweet uh, at Andy B. Larson or at Talk Hoops, like I said earlier, or you can always give us a call if you'd like, 877-353-0700. Uh, so you know what we're going to be talking about today is, is a lot about the trade deadline. Uh, the trade deadline is one week from today. And you know there are only no more Jazz games left. Only what is it? Three games tonight. Uh, two games tonight. Two games tonight. And they're all happening right now. So I mean we're we're very close to we, we kind of know everything that there is to know about these players. We've got a good idea of what the trade market is looking like or shaping up to look like right now. And so we're going to be talking about that a lot, especially in the first hour. We'll be talking about the Jazz's recent run, uh, seven games in a row before losing last night. But still, we'll, we'll call it seven and one in the last eight. That's pretty good. And we'll be going around the league. So much has happened in the league since we last ha- had our last show uh, last week. I mean, from coaches being fired to coaches being not fired to injuries <laughs> to uh, teammates coaching other teammates or uh, choking, excuse me, yeah. other teammates. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to discuss on today's show. A lot I'm pretty of injuries excited for it.
2: Are- our pets' heads are falling off. Like, there's a lot going on right now.
1: Yeah, and oh, and then the All Star Game. We didn't even mention that. Right, like we, the All Star Game. There's All-Star a whole weekend celebration this weekend of basketball, and so we're going to talk about that and, and get excited about the dunk contests and, and three point contests and stuff. NBA TV has had uh, the dunk contest on back to back to back all day today. Yes. You know, every year of the dunk contest since it began. Uh, when I left, they were in the 2004 Richard Jefferson era. Yeah, you get like, a, a lot of Fred
2: Jones in there.
1: Yeah, uh, Chris Anderson was 2006, that right? And I think right. that was, was maybe that was when I left. A couple
2: of them, I think, and then I think we're looking at like who else is in there? Like Desmond Mason, who was actually yeah. really good. He did it. Jason Richardson, who's great.
1: I mean, just, uh, okay, skipping ahead for just a second because I'm so excited to talk about it, but that Brent Berry dunk contest. That was kind of... He's, he's amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was great in it, and Darvin Ham, uh, oh wait, maybe Darvin Ham was the next year. Darvin Ham got robbed, whatever, it was either 96 or 97, he got robbed.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that was the next year because yeah. I don't think he... All oh, right, that was the Kobe year. Yeah. yeah, Brent was undoubtedly the best participant in that contest. Yeah. I mean, did a legitimate free throw line dunk, right. which, you know... Pretty impressive for anyone, let alone Brent Berry. Right. You know, who, and I, I don't know. With the warm-up jacket on. With the warm-up on. jacket on, Because he right? said
2: he had to keep warm because he doesn't have a lot of body. That's a direct <laughs> quote from the broadcast <laughs>
1: that night. I mean, that's that's words of wisdom right yeah. there. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about the trade deadline. Uh, especially, let, let's start out from the Jazz's perspective. Uh, mostly because... A, you know, we're in Salt Lake, and B, because I I know a little bit about it. I've been talking to people inside the Jazz front office, uh, for, even from other teams, about what kind of the Jazz are looking for, uh, and I, I think there is a lot to talk about there. Yeah, I get asked a lot what the percent chance or what's the likelihood the Jazz actually make a trade in the next week. And I think it's pretty high. I'm going with the 65% number that won't get me in trouble if they don't make it. Sure.
2: I think uh, a couple weeks ago you asked me, and I was like, I don't know, I'd say 40-60, mostly because not that I don't think the Jazz are active, it's really hard to find pairings and teams willing to unload going into this free agency period because of the salary cap jump. That's the reason I think it may be an inactive thing, but I just want to remind people, anytime I try to project activity at the trade deadline, I'm dead wrong.
1: Last year, I didn't think there was going to be anything, and then there were 23 trades on trade nuts. deadline day. Yeah. yeah, which was absurd. I mean, even Adrian Wojnarowski, who's the king of all things like this, yeah. went crazy and was like, and one I one point, He was like, one like <laughs> we need to slow down. <laughs> this is too much. So, yeah, I mean, for uh, we, we don't really know what's going to happen. Right. But from my point of view, there are just so many scenarios where the Jazz may be able to put together a trade that, in the end, I think something is likely. I don't think it's going to be world changing. You know, they're not going to trade. I can promise you, Derek Favors, Gordon Hayward, Rudy, uh, Rudy Gobert, or Rodney Hood. Right. I mean, those are kind of the the four core guys. Or really, actually, Dante Exum. Let's throw him in there. Yeah. That one might uh, honestly be because the Jazz value him more than any other team would at this point because they've seen more of him. Yeah. But uh, they're just not going to trade any of those five guys. So then it kind of becomes about improving the roster around the fringes or, I mean, really starting point guards, not a fringe position.
2: No, it's very important. And they, they you know, their point guard position is okay, but it's not strong enough to where they don't at times run Joe Ingles at at point guard right. or Rodney Hood like I mean they've they've had to shuffle things around the three wing lineup and all that because it's not a strength there so they have to get creative and they've been very good at it but that doesn't mean they're not looking to upgrade
1: yeah I mean even when Trey Burke has been healthy they've gotten to that three point guard line or three wing lineup right. without a point guard on the floor just because of you know matchups or whatever the case might be ideally you would have someone who could kind of override that and be a better point guard the other thing I was was looking at is that the point guard class in the 2016 free agency is is not deep at all. So if you're oh, you're hoping to sign yeah. a free agent who's going to make the team good for next season, again, that's kind of the, the after which Gordon Hayward can opt out, so it's it's important that the Jazz are good. Yeah. Uh it's it's going to be unlikely that you can sign someone who's a real difference maker in that class. I mean, you've got Brandon Jennings, Rajon Rondo, Mike Conley, and Matthew Della Vadova are your top four point guards in, in the uh, free agency point guard class. Yeah, I mean, Conley's legit. Conley's, right, Conley's you know, great. Maybe a
2: top six, top eight point guard in the league, but I don't know that you feel like this is the destination for him. So then outside of that, you know, Rajon Rondo's looking for a big payday and long-term security. I don't know that he makes this team better in any <laughs> right. way. Um, you know, he puts up cool stats, but I don't know how much impact he actually has. Brandon Jennings still coming off that Achilles injury and doesn't really seem to fit with what they want. I don't think you're breaking the bank for Matthew Delvadova, although there is this Australian you know interest with the jazz right. so maybe <laughs> but i don't think i don't feel like they're going to be like hey 60 million let's do it
1: yeah and i i'm not sure that delhi is the difference maker there that you, seems that unlikely gets you over the you know gordon hayward it's like i wouldn't have re-signed with the jazz right. but and since you, you've got delhi you got I this mean, guy that now won't dive at my ankles <laughs> so yeah i'm in it's, it's just a, a safety or he issue might of, in practice right and exactly so <laughs> he wants to get as far away from delhi as possible yeah i mean it, it could go either way but I think that's why now is actually kind of an important time. If, if you are looking at getting what I've been calling a bridge point guard, someone who can play for the rest of the season and play while Dante Exum recovers from his ACL injury, uh, has his second year in the league and, right. and you know goes through kind of those growing pains in, in both senses of, of the word, uh, that you've got someone who can play some minutes. And I think notably, by the way, the Jazz are, I can report, interested in picking up a bridge point guard. You know, yeah. we've we've heard from some sources, I, or it's, I guess reporters, I won't say who, but that the Jazz are won't acquire anyone there because of Dante Exum. And I I don't believe that to be the case based on my conversations.
2: Well, I mean, it makes sense because you're not expecting Dante Exum to come in next year, you know, first year back from an ACL and say, "Hey, I'm a starting point guard in this league. I'm a great offensive option." You know, we know he'll be a good defender, assuming he stays healthy, but it makes sense that if they're going to be serious about, one, development of Dante, and two, making sure they can maximize, you know, the winning process right now, that bridge point guard becomes, you know, pretty paramount to to their future success.
1: Yeah. On the other hand, you don't want to give up too much for him because it is only a year and a half, right? right? Like, yeah. You, you, it's
2: essentially a rental. Right. It's and, a long uh, rental, but it's a rental.
1: Uh, right. And you, you do have these – it's kind of like an insurance policy almost yeah. for – if Dante XM turns out to be terrible next year, then maybe you look at resigning this guy as part of a long-term solution sure. at point card. But that's not what the Jazz or if he, hope will happen. Or certainly.
2: if Dante's amazing next year, you can flip this guy at the trade deadline right. and get more assets or another player that fits in or whatever.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and so it now makes a lot of sense to acquire someone who can fill in one of those roles. Um, we've talked a lot about Jeff Teague yeah. on the show, and I think rightfully so. Good. He's obviously the the number one point guard on the market right now in terms of conversation, at least. Sure. Uh, and truth be told, I think the offers seem so strong that I don't know that if the Jazz can really compete against you know uh, there's a rumor that Indiana's offering george hill for jeff teague uh there's a rumor that orlando is offering victor oladipo i mean those are those are nice players that uh, you know yeah. alec Burks is good too but i think hill and uh depot probably have more value i mean
2: depot definitely does yeah rookie contract he's very good i mean the shot's been a little shaky for him but he's you know he's definitely the best guy available it seems to get that Done. I guess you can make an argument of Alec Burks versus George Hill. I'd still take George Hill yeah, in that I, situation, but I think I think an argument can be made for a healthy Alec Burks.
1: Okay, and that's kind of what I think. You know, if, if those talks are real and and that's the direction that the Hawks want to go, I think there is some potential in like a three way trade there, where sure. uh, the Jazz get Hill, the Hawks get or the Pacers get Teague, and the the Hawks get Burks, and you know, figure out different draft picks and whatever right. secondary players. That Pacers backcourt of Jeff Teague and Monte Ellis looks a little bit weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about
2: that, um, but, but you know, uh, Indiana kind of needs to make a
1: splash too, Yeah, and that's an upgrade. Yeah, it, I, I think so. And I, I think George Hill would fit what the Jazz do perfectly in terms right. of being able to space the floor around two creative wing types, uh, playing excellent... Defense. I mean, he's he's been great at that, and you don't need a, a ton of playmaking. But I, I think he'd give you more of that than what uh, will Neto and, and Trey Burke have given so far.
2: Yeah, he's not a he's not a more traditional point guard by any means, but he's someone who scores very well in the pick and roll. You know, he you can trap him, and he, he's a little bit turnover prone in in some situations when he's really pestered. But you also have Gordon Hayward and Rodney Hood to kind of alleviate some of the playmaking things. So then he just becomes more of a shooter. He's a very good shooter, very good scorer. In those roles,
1: yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, it, to me, that kind of determined uh, what happens with Jeff Teague depends on what Atlanta decides to do. And truthfully, from what I hear right now, they're just asking for so much right. that the Jazz are are kind of saying, okay, you know, let's let's put off these conversations until Wednesday or Thursday next week, which when makes sense. You, you actually want to talk with
2: us? Yeah, exactly. Because right now right. you ask for a ransom. I mean, right. if you're going to go buy a car. You don't say, hey, I'd like to pay as much as I can afford. (laughs) You try to get a little bit of a deal on it, right? So there's that whole negotiation process. Also something involving the Hawks, you know, there seems to be some rumblings that they're not totally convinced Al Horford's going to resign with them. And so if they move him, you know, that's going to be one ransom. And then the, you get into the Teague secondary market. I mean, there there could be a very big shakeup regarding those two those two players.
1: But on the other hand, Horford, you know, is a free agent this offseason. So really, Horford's a little bit of a rental, too. I oh, mean, absolutely, yeah. I mean, ob- you're,
2: you're doing it so you have his bird rights.
1: The, yeah, the Jazz aren't in that market. But, you no. know, there are uh, certainly teams. It's interesting how much value he has, given that he is a free agent, I yeah. guess, in, in three months.
2: Yeah, I mean, you really have to weigh how much you're willing to give up. Which, I guess, any trade, that's how it goes.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> that's a very per that's uh, uh that's a, sentiment. that's the kind of trade
2: analysis you get from me on this
1: show. <laughs> Here's one that I'm shocked that uh was mentioned and and talked about and uh, no one laughed. Um was the acquiring Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson is crazy. Or at least has seemed crazy from an outsider's point of view. Has had two DUIs and might legitimately actually be going to jail at some point. I
2: think he actually has had way more than two
1: DUIs. Is it uh, two DUIs in the last twelve yeah, months? Right.
2: I think it's been like over over the course of his career. I think it's been like four. Oh, I could be wrong about that. I know. I think it's at least three. But okay. yeah, I mean, there there's some baggage there, and there's some you know personal stuff that he kind of has to figure out as well before even thinking about, like, the next stages in his career. Right. So, I mean, that that's something teams will have to do their du- due diligence on and figure out.
1: He would be essentially free because of that, though. I mean, he's, I mean, he's been so bad in Houston. Yeah, Houston didn't give up a lot for him. Right. In and, the first place, and he's then, been worse since then. And, right, Exactly. Uh, but he did make his contract better in, in the course of that trade by making next season non-guaranteed. Right. So from the Jazz's point of view of, of a contract scenario, it's, it's a good contract for them to, to acquire. If he doesn't work out for the rest of the season, you can cut him and, and make a move there. Or if if he is good, then you can keep him. $12 million next season doesn't kill you because you don't really have any big money to give out until the summer of 2017. Right. That being said, when you watch Ty Lawson, do you think that there's something actually physically wrong with him? Do you think you know it's all contributed to him being slower in any way, a worse defender, or is he is he the same player that he always is? He's just losing mental focus.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a focus thing. I think it's tough trying to find the balance of what Houston wants to do and and him having the ball in his hands enough. I mean, he he handled the ball a lot in Denver, and he's not really getting those opportunities in in Houston and so because of that you can lose rhythm you can lose you know patience with your own game patience with the team game lose focus and you know part of it too like he's like 510 yeah you know I mean he's not a big point guard so he's good for what he is but you also you really give up some defensive stuff I mean even when he's all over Steph Curry in the playoffs in 2013 he was essentially a ball rack Mm -hmm. like that Steph Curry's just shooting in front of I mean there's no There's no real resistance there. He's not great at moving his feet, despite being so quick. So, yeah, I mean, there's some logistical problems with having him on the court. But when he is at his best, I mean, you know, stats are stats, but like he's like an 18-8 and guy who can really shred a defense.
1: Yeah, and and again, that's something that the Jazz don't have right now. I don't know how much the ball is going to be in his hands next to Hayward and Hood, though. So, you know, maybe he he has kind of the same problem. Probably not to the same extent that he did in Houston, but... You probably want the ball in Gordon Hayward and Rodney Hood's hand over Ty Lawson. Yeah, I mean, it probably
2: probably depends. Like, I mean, you could use Hood and and Hayward maybe smarter. Not that they're not using them intelligently now, but you can probably, you know, you can probably address some of the things you want to do offensively and and not have to rely on so much creation from those guys. Um, You know, at the same time, like, it's not like he would be playing with Harden anymore, who's essentially a gravitational wave, like just eating... Opportunities at, at, all, at all at all costs. W- way to tie that back yeah. into to the side. Really into this
1: today. <laughs> I didn't know we would be. I mean, maybe that's a last segment thing. We can talk about which players are most gravitational yeah, waves. I got thoughts. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I was the Lawson thing's
2: interesting though because that's it's someone you would kind of just assume the Jazz would be like, no, we're not interested,
1: right? And that they did not immediately say that. Like I kind of mentioned it as a, as a blow off, and I wasn't blown off, right. which. I was I was I was surprised about. I got to be honest. Anyway, uh, look, there are other options though too. Uh, let's start with Drew Holiday, who the Jazz just played last night. He fits what the Jazz would want to do in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. he unlike Lawson, he is big and long and, and defends pretty well. Uh, you know, shoots the ball pretty well. is is a pretty good passer. Uh, not a huge. Usage guy by any means, but I, I think he kind of fits conceptually into what the Jazz want to do and, and and their personnel.
2: Yeah, I mean, his the tricky part with him is he's been so injured over the right. last couple of years that that really you don't know how much you can rely on him to play and play heavy minutes. It's gotten better as the years gone along, so that's a good sign. Um, I'm not as high on his defense as mm. a lot of people are. Like I kind of feel like he's great at stopping initial attacks and then can kind of get lost a little bit. But you know, when you have Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors behind you. I don't know that that's necessarily a problem.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it's it's less of a problem than it might be on other teams, right. certainly. Uh, and honestly, I think that's one thing that Quinn Snyder has shown an ability to do is is improve those guards off balls defense yeah. a little bit, at least from what we've seen from Rodney Hayward and Gordon Hayward Rodney Rodney Hood and Gordon <laughs> Hayward's <laughs> development. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I like that idea a lot. From what I hear, they're asking a ton for Drew and. It sounds like it's not the sort of thing that the Jazz would want to give up given those injury issues. Yeah. But again, if the team, if, if New Orleans has to make a move right away uh, by Wednesday or Thursday and, yeah. uh, and that price goes down, then absolutely the Jazz would be a team interested. Yeah,
2: I mean, almost any asking price is going to be different five days from now. Right. Just because that's how it works.
1: As of right now, though, Yeah. too high. Uh, Darren Collison's an interesting one because uh, again, good point guard. Uh, he's smaller. Uh, questions about his defense, I think, uh, are, are fair. Sure. Um, but uh, obviously, would be a better point guard than any point guard the Jazz currently have. Yeah, I like.
2: Uh, I like. You know he, he is a smaller point guard, but I like his ability to pressure the ball ninety four feet. I mm-hmm. think you know you don't press in the NBA obviously because these guys are too good for it. But a guy who can make a point guard have to concentrate for ninety four feet as he brings the ball to the floor and and um, you know initiates the offense. Darren Collison kind of wear guys down in that
1: way. It's hard to do that as a starter though, which is presumably what he'd sure. be in Utah.
2: Yeah, I mean it's hard to do that as a starter, but if you manage minutes, you know I think you can also pick your spots with that as well.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I, I think that would be a more likely scenario if the Kings weren't ostensibly competing for the Jazz with the Jazz for the right. eighth spot. Although maybe their it recent slide tonight. kills that. Right? right? Yeah, I mean who knows? <laughs> if yeah, it really could. Uh, who their GM could change by next Anything week? Anything could <laughs> happen with the Kings. That's what I've learned some smaller ideas uh cj watson is barely getting back healthy with orlando uh he was just marked active for last night's game even though he didn't play uh that being said he's he's making five million dollars a year i think he'd be a good fit it's just kind of whether or not orlando wants to would deal him for i don't know a a reasonable price and yeah i I think they might right like i can't imagine
2: they're tied to a lot of the fringe guys on that roster, right. so I can't... I mean, if you threw Trey Burke their way, and it was like, hey, why don't you try Trey Burke? You know, I don't think that would be something they are just like, no, we, we need more than that.
1: On, on the other hand, they're going... Uh kind of more veteran right is is the report that orlando wants more sure. veteran talent there and and actually make a push for the playoffs Cj's one of and veterans. maybe cj watson is yeah is yeah. in the veteran category rather than a a guy they may want to move
2: right uh, i like cj i mean i still don't think he's a starting point guard no you know he's probably in the injury concerns are still still there with how healthy he's going to be the rest of the season but he's you know he's proved you know chicago that he was a very capable backup point guard. he was very good in in Indiana, I feel like, like I think he's a guy that would that would add a lot to the bench.
1: Yeah, I I, I do too, and and he's a guy that wouldn't necessarily conflict. If you do want to make Dante Exum the starter next season, you know, CJ Watson's going to be fine with that. And he probably does upgrade your, your point guard stable, at least a little bit in in this year or next. Uh, Again, depends on what you want to give up. Uh, One of the Dallas point guards, I mean, really Devin Harris is the only one that kind of fits this, this year and next year contract criteria. Yeah. Uh, But Raymond Felton may also uh, be a, a fit in some sense. He's a free agent at the end of this season. Um, darren williams exists although i can't imagine the jazz ever trading for him again based seems on unlikely every, uh, what i happened. don't know everyone's coming home now but i mean yeah you know, I, I know it's not his home <laughs> he actually went home to texas the, but the sports illustrated article yeah. is it's coming no i i would be yeah i would be shocked if, if the jazz acquired darren williams, well especially but. that
2: would be tough too obviously all of the drama that went on but as well like if you bring him back, how many fans are expecting that Darren Williams right. to be there? You know, right. and then that's a—it's That's bit. kind of a hit. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, but I think there could be something there. I mean, apparently Dallas was interested in acquiring Jeff Teague, too, uh, yeah. again, according to rumors. So uh, we we don't – if they were to acquire Jeff Teague, they would even more need to give up one of their 89-point guards sure. that they have on the roster with I the like same the birthday. I like the
2: Devin Harris idea. Um, you know, I know he's familiar here. Uh, I don't like the Felton idea at all. Okay. Like I think Rick Carlisle has worked wonders getting Felton to be a productive player this year. I don't know that that works everywhere.
1: Okay. No, right. And I think that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, I think Quinn Snyder is good at finding talent for guys. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But Carlisle is one of the two best coaches in the league. Yeah, I put him up there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I think that's reasonable. Uh, Sheldon Mack is another name there. Again, Atlanta has three really good point guards. Maybe the league's best point guard rotation, just top to bottom, if you will uh and he's not getting any minutes he's got over a 15 per right now uh and you know if the if the hawks don't move teague or they get another point guard back in a teague deal they may be willing to move mac it's it's an idea
2: yeah i'm not a huge fan of his he's not a very good outside shooter which i think if you're going to add a point guard you want a guy who can be a threat there um but he's a you know he's kind of that ultimate like professional third point guard on a team right
1: yeah um so Anyway, that's—oh, and one other thing while we're thinking about uh, the point guard spot. Uh, I, th- I think finding a home for Trey Burke is, is not really a priority for the Jazz, but it's it's something that if they could check off and get value back, I think they'd do it. I mean, clearly his parents are upset from all reports from— I mean, you can read Benji Burke's and Rhonda Burke's Twitter account and find sure. out that they're upset with Trey Burke's current situation in Utah. Yeah. Uh, so that's not that's not difficult to see, and, and it's kind of uh, made worse by the fact that— Benji Burke is Trey's agent, yeah, which that, is that unusual.
2: That um, I don't think I follow enough player family members. Like uh, I follow Draymond Green's mom, right? But I think that's kind of it, and I, I'm really slipping on that because I had no idea that they were they were upset via Twitter.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, they haven't been recently. I think they were told officially to to yeah, shush. Maybe but, cut it out, right? Yeah, um, and, and because you know that sort of thing doesn't help. Say Trey's trade value if if he is traded, but. Right. Uh, the other thing is that when he's played fewer than twenty minutes this season, the Jazz are thirteen and four, which is a little bit unfair because he's played fewer minutes since Rudy Gobert and Derek yeah. Favors came back. But also, I, I think kind of reflects that Jazz don't necessarily need Trey Burke.
2: Yeah, he's been a tough one because this is the year where he's really started to make shots, right? right. Which is, and then that's when he kind of loses his role, which seems unfair. But that's just kind of the development of this team. I think he's a nice point guard off the bench in terms of like let's see if this guy's hot tonight. Right. You know, and if this guy's hot tonight, ride him for 8-minute stretches and and see if he can, you know, put a lot of pressure on the opposing defense, but you know, those guys are, you know, not a dime a dozen, but you can you can find those guys. And I don't know how much of a priority that then goes into your rotation of like having a guy who maybe fits more of a luxury role.
1: Yeah, and and I think we've seen kind of in, in clutch situations, Quinn's wanted to go more with the triple wing sort of idea. Yeah. Where you have a longer defender, uh kind of getting in the way of whatever the opposition is trying to do.
2: And kind of like the Lawson thing, I mean, it's tough for a smaller point guard to be a, a good defender. Yeah. And that's you know, that's just for what they want to do. Um, you know, maybe that's not fair to Trey. It's not like he can pick what size he wants to be, but right. um, you know, he's worked really hard and I think I think the fact that they they like him so much like makes sense that they would want to maybe do him a favor in finding him a home you know that kind of ties into like the respect they have
1: for him yeah and uh, you know if if they can find an an equivalently valuable or more valuable point guard on the market that they acquire and i think getting some value for trey burke back makes some sense to do now um it's not certainly something you have to do you could do it in the off season and, and still you know get value out of him then yeah all right. Anyway, we got to take a break. On the other side, we're going to be talking about the the other trade situations about the Jazz uh, around the Jazz, finding a, a third or fourth wing for the Jazz. There are some possibilities there. Maybe upgrading the big rotation as well beyond Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. We'll talk about that next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN
0: 700. Analytics and opinions on the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700.
1: All right. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, continuing to talk about what the Jazz could get in, in the trade market, some potential for this bench. I think it was shown really clearly that the Jazz's bench probably needs an upgrade last night when they only scored nine points and, out of, you know, I don't actually know how many minutes they played, but right. you you still would hope that an NBA bench could contribute more than nine minutes. Especially on
2: a back to back side. Yeah. Especially right. on a back to back like that. Like they just needed that little bit more to to have the push to push it eight straight.
1: That's like I think if Alec Burks is healthy, the Jazz win that game, maybe that's optimistic, but you know, you have someone who fair. can
3: yeah. who
1: adds something else to uh, what you're doing on, on the other hand, the Pellys are are beat up too. So right, yeah, it's not like
2: it's not like anyone's making excuses for them, right? Right.
1: So yeah, I mean, it, it goes both ways, but I, I think this idea that the Jazz need to upgrade their bench is is a real one, and and maybe the Jazz could make this team a lot better uh, fairly cheaply. I think you know yeah. you look at their crunch time lineups, and they've either involved Chris Net or uh, Chris Johnson, who's really a D League replacement level kind of player he's nice and i like that he hustles and yeah and good
2: energy good defense can yeah. hit a shot every once in a while yeah
1: yeah i mean not broken by any means right. but you know, could use an upgrade uh or how will who is again nice but you can probably stand to upgrade him in, in a clutch situation so defenses aren't dropping off of him as, as much as they can right so um some perimeter ideas and then some big man ideas and we'll kind of run through them quickly um, P.J. Tucker of the Suns. I think that's an interesting one who could again provide good defense, play uh, what the Jazz want him to do, what the Jazz want him to do on the defensive end, while still also being able to knock down uh, the three-point shot at a good rate. Uh, unlike Chris Johnson,
2: right? Good three-point shooter for much of his time uh, in the NBA. He's a guy who can he can really like defend some four. I mean, right. He's a strong guy. Like he's not very he's not very tall, but he's a strong guy who can defend two through four pretty. You know pretty competently and i think that if he's if you're bringing him in as your third or fourth wing that's that's really nice depth
1: for you what do you think i mean it's hard for me to say what the Suns would want for pj tucker because he's actually played more minutes than anyone else in a Suns uniform this season right well i think um, also too but,
2: like there's some teams that are out there for him like toronto's expressed interest cleveland's expressed interest like that makes it a little bit trickier because then you you know you're in a bidding you board.
1: got right right uh, so I, I don't know how realistic that one is just because of that bidding war, but, you know, if, if you were able to do it, you know, maybe for a, a late first-round pick, that's not a crazy thing. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, the Jazz have done really well with late first-round picks, right? You look right. at Rodney Hood and Rudy Gobert and say, well, those were nice first-round picks that the Jazz had, so... Yeah, I mean, you're. I,
2: I think that's a move more for, like, hey, let's make sure we make the playoffs and, and we're as dangerous as possible, Right. right. Like, that's not really a... I mean, you can plan plan long term with him, but with PJ Tucker in the mix, like he's probably not part of like your top eight going forward.
1: Yeah uh jared dudley actually same sort of deal i think where he's going to be available has actually just like tucker played the most minutes out of anyone on a a wizard's uniform uh does a lot of nice things for you plays a little bit of three and four and is probably ultimately going to be too expensive for this kind of pickup for the jazz
2: yeah i think he's a guy maybe you approach with uh with a healthy contract in free agency he'll be sought after because a lot of guys a lot of teams like him perfect veteran for your team plays defense knocks down shots good ball movement. Uh, just a really smart team defender, uh, he's probably a guy that I think you, you pursue in the offseason.
1: I'm kind of just going around the league here, but Gary Neal, currently uh, also for Washington, it kind of depends how much of sellers they want to be, but could be play some shooting guard minutes for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think of him as kind of like a very small shooting guard. Uh, yeah. Very good shooter, like lights-out shooter, you know, 40% or better uh A lot of the time and and i think that he can
1: 41 percent this year yeah i think he
2: i think he could add a lot in that respect but not much of a ball handler not much of a defender um you know i'm not sure how much he adds to the wing core
1: yeah fair enough uh we're going down further down the scale bogdan bodanovic
2: i like him you do yeah he can play Uh, good shooter i'm not sure about the defense but i think you know quinn could work with him and and get him you know ready to play team defense pretty well uh, I don't know what Brooklyn would possibly want for him, because I think they're pretty high on him. Okay. Uh, but I I think that would be an interesting conversation to, to have.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, the Nets are, are clear sellers.
2: There's here, no right? way like... they can be like, we're definitely <laughs> keeping this guy.
1: <laughs> right, and so you, you kind of wonder what those conversations would be like. Uh, that team just needs assets so they yeah. can have decision making free will in the future, right? Like yeah, that's that's kind of what they any, don't have right any now. Any kind
2: of flexibility in the draft. Like right. If it even if it's just a second round pick, like maybe that and Trey Burke starts a conversation.
1: Yeah, and, and the Jazz have seven second round picks in the next two drafts. So yeah. they they plenty of these to give away. like But you could party. I mean you could do yeah, Trey Burke in a second I don't think is an unreasonable offer for Bogdanovic and, and yeah, I mean, you can make you a case to, there.
2: Maybe you have to throw in a second second round pick that, you know you can protect or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's a conversation starter.
1: That being said, then you also have to acquire a point guard if you do that. But anyway, sure. uh, unless you want to go one point guard all season long and, or how much, it also depends how much you like Eric green too. I, we haven't mentioned him yet. In right. these I, I like him too, a lot.
2: I don't know if that's some, I, his 10 days pretty much up, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Exactly.
1: And I I'd suspect that they won't make a decision until after the trade deadline right. because you, know, you
2: want that roster spot. Right. You can.
1: Uh, Lance Thomas. I he's another guy who I think has probably been a little bit too good for the Jazz to acquire him cheaply.
2: Knicks really like him. He's he's a guy that's contributed. You know, they may be falling out. So if that's the case, you can maybe wiggle in there a little bit. He, he's improved so much from last year that that probably gets them gets the Knicks more excited about keeping him than, than previously
1: I should have added this on the list but I didn't chase Bud- uh, Budinger, uh who currently plays for the Pacers he's looked healthy since the end of last season you know he had two pretty
2: important um knee operations when he was with Minnesota and just started getting his lift back and his explosive explosiveness back last year he can shoot uh, great ball movement not much of a defender but I think you could make him fit pretty nicely as the fourth wing on this team
1: yeah I, and you know again pro probably an upgrade over uh chris johnson yeah definitely um let's see i i have a literal piece of paper here with literal <laughs> names written down so old school. Uh, i know uh chris copeland i mean same kind of indiana thing but uh, yeah. uh he's really really bad fewer def-
2: minutes yeah really bad defender um but can shoot the lights out
1: probably wouldn't would you think he could be a bad defender enough to stay in quinn's rotation i guess or is it i think that's, is it disqualifying i
2: mean he, you know frank vogel's not really in love with him in terms of defense. You know, Frank Vogel's a pretty defensive-minded guy.
1: Uh, And I I actually worry about that a little bit with Lou Williams, too, uh, who's a better offensive player but is a train wreck defensively. Really bad defensively. Uh, Who else do I have on my list? Uh, Oh, Kyle Singler. So Kyle Singler is really good, and I think the Thunder— Okay, really good is strong. But (laughs) I— Wonder what the, Obviously, the Thunder want to get better, yeah. which is the problem with acquiring a, talent, a piece like Kyle Singler away from, from the Thunder. But if there's a way that somehow you can get them more win-now talent in sort of a, a three-way deal. I mean, uh, basically what I'm asking for is for the Jazz to get the best player or the, <laughs> the second best player, the, the Thunder to get the best player, and then some third team to just give out assets for free.
2: Yeah, well, there are teams that do that regularly, <laughs> so, and they don't even realize they're doing it. So
1: that's the brilliance of the NBA. We have to get the Kings involved, right? We saying. have
2: to get the Kings involved. <laughs> they're the ones to do it. Uh, I like Singler. You know, he he had a really bad start to the season. He like did historically bad, uh, but he's on a a nice contract, especially with the salary cap jump. I think it's like four years, twenty million after this year. Okay, uh, left on it. Um, they just re-signed him this past off-season. Guy that can you know kind of do a little bit of everything as a fourth wing. Uh, Yeah, if you can get that situation where the Thunder get the best player, the Jazz get the second best player, and the Kings just don't know what's going on, I think you do it.
1: I thought he had actually improved more on his overall season stats, but now kind of pulling it up, they're still pretty ugly over the aggregate. Um, Marco Bellinelli is another guy, actually, who's had a kind of rough start to the beginning of the season.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we just made fun of the Kings, but I'm not sure they'd be willing to give him up all that soon. I think they really like him.
1: Interesting, and they did just. Sign, I mean, they did just sign him to the the deal too. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that makes and sense. And it's not
2: like Ben McElmoore is knocking down the shooting guard door for more minutes right. at all times. So,
1: yeah. So, I mean, they basically. I think the moral of the wings story is that there are some possibilities there, but it's yeah. going to be tricky. I wanted to throw one at you. Uh, okay. What
2: if Houston really decides to just overhaul this thing and they go, t- they make Trevor Ariza available? It's a little trickier because the contract's like eight million, I think. Okay. Would you be interested in the Jazz going after Trevor Ariza? He's also been. Horrendous this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, but I don't know if that's just Rockets malaise. You know, that's the thing is Trevor Ariza is the weirdest player in that. Like he's either very good or very bad, yeah. and there's no in between. And it's basically like whether or not he's in a contract year. <laughs> right, and it's probably
2: just a rental. I mean, yeah, he, you know he's he's probably a guy that leaves first chance he gets. Um, but if he can, if he can, you know, de-louse from some of that horrible, horrible Rockets <laughs> apathy that's been. You know, saturating them all year, he can be a really useful player for the for a team like
1: the Jazz. Is he is his contract done at the end of this season? I feel like it is. Uh, oh, I actually
2: have it right here. Oh no, he's got. Oh no, he's got three more years.
1: Oh, that's right. Okay. Or two more
2: two more years after two this. two more season. years after this. So yeah. it'd
1: be it'd be reasonable. Yeah, I mean, declining to me, contract too, so maybe that makes it more valuable in a trade ship. Yeah, uh, to me, I, I like Trevor Reason. And I think he'd be like a good conceptual fit as someone who can basically be a three and D sort of wing. I do um, find
2: the theory of. Trevor Rees is always much better than the application.
1: That's that's the thing is yeah. like if he's good then he's a great fit and does a lot of what you want and if not then uh, he's a little bit of a cancer, right? Like I, I think we've kind of seen that in Houston. Maybe cancer is too strong of a word, but if you if you don't try and you're letting People get open three-point shots. Yeah. What's, what is the way? I mean, I
2: did a really deep dive on their transition defense about a month and a half ago. Right, you watched all their transition plays and was, wanted I to I mean, at a certain point, yourself. I just wanted to tell my parents I love them because like, I didn't <laughs> feel like I was doing that enough. It was really bad. But I found that, like, I went in there expecting, oh, man, James Harden's going to embarrass himself. And I actually thought, like, Ariza was much worse hmm. in that respect.
1: So that's that's not good. That's not great.
2: But I that may just be, like, he's tired of being in Houston.
1: Let's talk about half of these bigs really quickly before we go to break uh because i I, again i do think that there's an opportunity for the jazz to upgrade there we've talked about him a lot but mr kilometers Plumley himself joffrey laverne from the denver nuggets i'm in i love him yeah also they and played
2: attainable. Yeah, and they played the Bucks the next game and I couldn't tell the difference <laughs> between him and Miles Plumlee. Which is And I'm a pretty big basketball nerd. Like if, if I feel he, like I should be able to do that.
1: If Jaffa Laverne is traded to the Jazz, we can make this nickname happen. Like uh, It's happening. Like, it's
2: definitely happening if he gets traded to the Jazz. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna call him.
1: And we have we have that power. Oh, we absolutely have that power. Uh, Brandon Bass from the Lakers. Uh, Not a,
2: I think it's a horrible fit.
1: Yeah? I just kay. I don't
2: think he's any good anymore.
1: Uh Channing Frye would be essentially free, but the problem is he's kind of only a 5. You can't really play him at the 4. Right, he does kind sh- of have a lot of 5s. Yeah, he's
2: not a 4. He's definitely a stretch 5, which is nice, but I don't think it fits.
1: Uh, John Lawyer, your thoughts? Love John Lawyer. Like,
2: just think he is a perfect man. Can shoot the ball. Decent defender. Moves the ball. Moves well without the ball. Perfect fit.
1: And in Phoenix, too, so they may be willing to trade him yeah. for something that makes more sense for them long term. Definitely. Uh, Andrew Nicholson from the Magic, uh, I, I like. Him. I like that he can shoot from the outside.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's like if he can hit the corner three consistently. I like him.
1: Marvin Williams, the return of him in a Jazz uniform would he, be kind of fun, but he's, he's been really good he, for
2: Charlotte. That's yeah. going to make him expensive. I
1: think that's really the, the key. There is, yeah. is he's probably be, probably going to be too expensive. Ditto for Thaddeus Young, by the way, who's yeah. also been pretty good in a Nuts uniform. And I don't know that he's a great conceptual fit anyway. With does what not the jazz shoot
2: threes do. well and doesn't really want to shoot threes.
1: And it's, it's not a great passer either, right?
2: No, it's, the ball very much sticks with him. He's great around the basket in terms of moving without the ball. He's a great dump-off option. Um, good defender, but yeah, I don't know that he fits all that well.
1: I think it's interesting that it was reported that the Wizards have inquired about Trevor Booker. Uh, they want him back. Which, I mean... Uh,
2: Hey, if the other option is Chris Humphreys, I could see why you'd want to make that call.
1: Right. No, and, and I think that Trevor Booker gives you something. I mean, we, we, uh, I've complained about him a lot this season, but he at least gives you rebounding and yeah. has been shown an ability to shoot the ball in the past that he has not shown at all this year. Let me call Ted Leonsis right now. Booker. Do you for, have Ted Leonsis' number? I feel like I can find it. <laughs> okay. Booker, it's, on, it's on Booker Google. for
2: Jared Dudley, and we'll throw in two second round picks.
1: I would say yes. They I, would say no. They would say no, but <laughs> if you ask them enough, maybe they'd say yes. If you use the Daryl Morey strategy of negotiation, I debug yeah. them a lot, just, right. just repeated pager sends and, and text my, notifications. often my dating
2: strategy throughout the years, so I, it can work.
1: No, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> just do it at the right time. Get right, them, exactly. Get them at, at the right bar in Toronto, and you're good to go.
2: Yeah, it's only stalking if they call the cops. <laughs> All
1: right. Before we get arrested, let's take a break. <laughs> and uh yeah do commercials and stuff that's next or we're, we'll talk about more basketball next on the salt city hoops show espn
0: 700 you're listening to salt city hoops on utah's number one sports talk espn 700
1: <laughs> welcome into the salt city Hoop show on espn 700 andy larson zach harper talking about coffins sure <laughs> so
2: i did it on the podcast earlier this week Fig- figure i'd bring it to the, the radio room
1: um one last trade quick conversation before we go to the Jazz's win streak. Uh y- you mentioned that the Celtics uh, are going to be active during this deadline. Right. Uh is there any match there between the Jazz and and what the Celtics have on their roster?
2: That's what I was wondering because I I think they're obviously they're looking to move their assets for a bigger piece, right? right. Um which I don't assume that the Jazz would be willing to do. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, give us Sullinger and Ol- Olenek and we'll give you favors. Like, that's not going to happen. Right. I just wonder if you can get involved in a three-team deal with them. Um, is there someone you maybe pick, like, a, I don't know if a James Young, we were talking about another wing, like, you know, he's more of a project, not a guy that's going to help right away, but maybe you try to pick someone like
1: that. Yeah, um, but, you know, I like Tyler Zeller, although, again, he's a center and that's probably not what the Jazz need. Right. Um, I, I mean, I like amir johnson and i like jared solinger and and you know i like a lot of their bigs it's just is and and i'd be willing to give up a first round for them on value it's just kind of whether or not there's a team out there that would that needs the picks and would give up value in return to right yeah i I mean i think you definitely
2: need a third team that is that is shuffling in there but i don't know maybe they make a push for al horford maybe you get involved and just kind of pick off some spare parts here and there
1: yeah, I mean, either like Teague or, or even Shovel Mac kind of sh- spare parts. Sure, there's yeah. some sort of a deal. Yeah, I I could see that working out. Now, now I just want to play with the trade machine and see if, sure. if there's something that we can make work there. Because I, I I agree. I it almost certainly has to be a three team deal because there's just yeah. Nothing there, you don't either. really see a matchup there, right? you right. But uh, you're, in terms of like the team that really wants to make a trade and is is very much has the desire to do that. I I think the Celtics are, are naturally a team that you have to look at and, and in, involve in these sort of conversations.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure if there was, this would even be necessary, but maybe you're picking off one of their younger guys while also absorbing the contract of David Lee before you buy out. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe I'm not sure what the money would have to be that you send out to make that work, but I know the Jazz have cap room.
1: Yeah, so Jazz have about seven million dollars in cap room, and David Lee's is making like 15. fifteen. So yeah. you'd have to send out, but if you sent out Trey Burke and Trevor Booker and got David Lee back, then you could. That would probably work. I'm, sure. You know, maybe
2: you just pick off one of their first round picks in the process, and then make another move on that day yeah. to shore up a spot. You know.
1: Yeah, I I think there is some uh, something there in terms of it, being able to maybe make that work if if they're willing to give up assets and right. and you know do some sort of a three-team trade. Anyway, uh, we haven't talked enough about how the Jazz have actually performed over the last two weeks, which is really, really well. Uh, They had a seven-game winning streak. They, you know, again, 7-1 and in their last eight now that they lost last night against the Pelicans. That Dallas win, I think, was the most impressive win of the season in terms of kind of a signature win against a a good team that you're fighting for in the playoff playoff race. right? And uh, I think they, you know, the Jazz are playing better than they have all season so far. Right now,
2: I agree. I've I've been very impressed with the way they've played. They've had to gut out a lot of close wins towards the end of that streak, which is good because it, you know, they they had struggled at times. Um, but I actually like what Quinn has said about that team of saying like, "Hey, sometimes just getting back into a game." doesn't get the credit because you end up losing a close game but maybe we shouldn't have been in that game in the first place right and so that that process of getting back into the game shows some growth even if you're not you know coming through on the victory but during this streak i mean you and i had talked about it with a couple of key stretches for them saying like hey a good team would go four and two here well then they went like two and four and that didn't really work but i think with the homestand we said hey like four and two five and one has to happen well they went five and one and then they went one two home game or two road games before losing the game to the Pelicans, like. That's what you wanted to see through all the injuries once they start getting guys back. You wanted to see them to be able to string together wins. I think you would have been happy with you know, four straight wins, a loss, and then you know, three straight wins or whatever. But the fact that you can run off seven in a row, it does show the potential of how good this team is. And especially in a down year in the Western Conference, yeah. just, there's just such a wide open door for them. If they stay healthy, not only do they seem like a lock, like they may really be able to move up.
1: Yeah, and no, I I agree. And and again, looking at the competition, and we'll look about this uh, at this a little bit in the next segment. That they they can move up if if they keep playing as they have, and and kind of the the talent. N- no one else gets hurt, I guess, is really right. what. What if you know Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert or Gordon Hayward or Rodney Hood go down? Then the Jazz have major depth issues. But for the time being, this is looking like a team that's really coalescing and coming together into something that uh, it really. Has an impact on on the other teams in the league.
2: Yeah, and it's something that you you know it's tough for fans to be patient with that kind of stuff because you see frustration throughout the first two months when they're missing so many guys and all you see are the losses. But that really does build towards their common goal. Like they've been lucky enough to I don't know if lucky is the right word, but they've been fortunate enough to you know kind of get those guys back at the times they really needed them back, and then you can build on top of that. But everything with this team is such a building process that goes beyond this year and it's good it's just good to see validation of that process
1: rodney hood by the way has been spectacular and so good during the stretch i mean he's led the jazz in five of the seven games in that win streak and scoring has really really impressed league observers with with how well he's been scoring the ball what have you seen
2: oh he's just i mean you know i wrote about him like a month and a half two months ago um and and he you know he was such a good pick and roll player well he's he's just become such a good player like it's not even in these specific situations he's just become such a good player that you have to you know you have to consider him not just a key component of this core but like very important like yeah. really important guy who who affects the way teams prepare for him
1: yeah and and you kind of see teams who sent so many resources, defensive resources to stop Gordon Hayward, yeah. now having to kind of split those resources. And, you know, we saw last night Derek Favors get a lot of the scoring load uh, sent his way as a result of that kind of defensive attention on the wings. So it's yeah. much more difficult to guard.
2: Yeah. And a lot of times you just want to make the, def- the defense make a decision and then have a plan off of that decision. And now they have so many options to make that happen. You know, a lot of that's because Rodney Hood stepped up.
1: All right, we got to head out to another break. But on the other side, we're going to be going around the NBA, talking about all the latest news and notes from around the league since our last show. A lot of trade rumors, a lot of uh, injuries, a lot of coaching decisions made this week. We'll talk about them all next on the Salsa Show on ESPN 700.
0: Salt City Hoops on Utah's number 1 sports talk ESPN 700
1: Da, 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 da. I just I just like that I'm being intro to that music like yeah. it make me feel like I'm Mike Green or something. I
2: feel like Jeff van Gundy. <laughs> I just want to scream about you know hip hop on a basketball broadcast
1: and and random rules that need to be changed. yeah every it, game is is a opportunity for Jeff van Gundy to explain what needs to be changed about the game and lament yeah and
2: lament every coaching fire.
1: Yes. <laughs> like, what a shame. yeah I really need to work on my Jeff van gundy yeah. impersonation, <laughs> but uh, anyway. Love it, thank you, John, our producer. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. You can all follow him at what, it's e- at ESPN 700 John. ESPN 700 John J O N. Nice. Okay. Anyway, uh, we're going around the NBA. That's why we had the the ESPN music there, kind of talking about uh, all the sorts of things that have happened in the league over the last week: uh, trade rumors, injuries, coaching decisions, etc. I want to start kind of with big picture stuff. Right now, you know, we've heard a lot of talk about how the East. Eastern Conference has made gains against the Western Conference this year, and actually, there's been some talk that the Eastern Conference might even be better. Well, the head-to-head record still says that the East is now only forty, winning forty-six percent of those games, one forty-five wins and and one hundred sixty-nine losses against the West this season. So, the the imbalance, or I guess the balance, is maybe still a little bit overstated.
2: And we're starting to see the East playoff p- picture. Before it looked like everyone was definitely going to be above five hundred. Now I'm not so sure about that. And before with the West, it looked like everyone was going to be below, or not everyone, but a couple of teams below 500 make it. Now it looks like you have to be 500 or better. So right. it, it has evened out.
1: Uh, so I, I think that's something that's interesting, uh, or something to watch a little bit moving forward. There also aren't that many uh interconference games left. You know right, That usually aren't. happens earlier on in the schedule. A lot schedule. of teams are done. So, and we have a pretty good idea of where those teams stand against each other, or conferences stand against each other at this point. That's something kind of we've looked at back and forth, is especially as a Jazz fight for that eight spot in the, in the playoffs.
2: I think a good rule of thumb is if it looks like the East is becoming competent, just wait a couple of weeks.
1: <laughs> just <laughs> you've, wait. You've, you've already, yeah. Uh, it's been, what, a two-decade trend now?
2: Yeah, like the West is just much better, and it's just going to be much better, despite the fact that the East keeps getting all those lotto picks.
1: Yeah. But it's a little bit incredible that this cycle hasn't ever changed. It's a right? lot of like,
2: incompetence. Like,
1: it's almost lie. impressive. What is it about the East East Coast that makes people incompetent?
2: Maybe they don't want to go. Maybe it's the cold weather. I don't know. Maybe players are, don't want
1: to go to the East. Okay. I, are there? I mean, are there significantly more cold weather teams in the East than the West? Yeah. yeah okay.
2: Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, that whole Northeast is freezing.
1: Okay, so it's it's a free agency battle.
2: That's what I think it is. Okay.
1: I, I could buy that. I have
2: nothing to back that up, but that's what I'm going to go with.
1: I, I like it. Um, some interesting trade rumors uh, around the NBA. Uh, I think the big one was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski today that Dwight Howard is on the market that Houston is reaching out to teams for to see what they could get for him. Uh, he can opt out of his contract this season and probably will, making yeah. him a unrestricted free agent. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what teams are willing to give up for a, a Dwight Howard rental.
2: I mean, you, Houston really has to decide, are they blowing this up or are they just retooling with a guy who's not Dwight Howard and just trying to get assets for him because... The trade market because he can opt out, and I don't know that after his stint with the Lakers, you feel confident in re-signing him. Right? Um, you know that changes a lot of things on how they view how he views the market, and so if you're Boston, you've been waiting for this moment for a, a guy. You know, you're probably hoping for a 26 year old Dwight Howard to become available, not a 30, 31 year old Dwight Howard. But this is kind of the situation where you stockpile all these assets so you can go after a guy like that, but. Why would you, I mean, there's some history there because Daryl Morey came up with the Celtics, so there's a better relationship there. Mm-hmm. But if I'm Boston, why am I worrying about, you know, how much I have to give up to get Dwight Howard now if I just can maybe go push for him in the summer?
1: Or, I, yeah, I mean, that's true. But then on the other hand, how many opportunities do you get for to trade for a legitimate star? Yeah, that's uh, true. I
2: mean, but you also have to wonder, like, how much of a star does he have left in Howard, his yeah. career? Because he's, you know, he's... He's still very good, but he's fallen off considerably since that back injury.
1: Heck, do you want to be the guy, who, the team that pays him for four seasons out of Max Young? I have an forward. idea for this. What's that?
2: And I uh, kind of discussed this with uh, Matt Moore on my podcast today. Okay. Uh, Brooklyn sends Brook Lopez and Thad Young to the Rockets. The Rockets. The reason they do it is they still get a very good big man. Yeah. And they don't lose Dwight Howard for nothing. Then this is an idea I had earlier in the week. Then the Nets go out. And they move Joe Johnson for Derrick Rose. Okay. And now you have two guys that maybe aren't what they used to be because of injuries, but at least you're interesting. And the, <laughs> the Nets are so not interesting at all that they've got to do something. I don't really know why Chicago does that, other than just get rid of the whole Derrick Rose saga. And maybe that doesn't go over great with fans to get Joe Johnson, but you clear a year off the yeah, you, you know, off the salary cap.
1: I think that makes sense. You get yeah, yeah you get twenty million dollars of flexibility to use next year. Right. And Chicago is a you nice can place, a, and you can sign poop, You
2: can poop. be a destination.
1: Yeah. I I, I like it. I'm going to call them right now. Uh, Your way call. You undersell yourself as a, <laughs> as a brilliant man. I mean, the, the gravitational waves of, of trade ideas, yeah, I think, was. They're all on this side of the table. There. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, it was also rumored, by the way, that Rudy Gay is available, which I, I know is like the constant in trade negotiations. Well, it makes it, sense. But it does. The Kings have struggled.
2: There is always a. A Rudy Gay bump once you trade him away, the team just gets better. Right. Memphis did it, Toronto did it, Sacramento wants that bump.
1: And I mean, given that, then who trades for him? I mean, I that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I, you know, again, this is one that I've talked to the Jazz about a little bit, and they don't hate it as much as I expect them yeah. to. But given that, you know, he is a guy who can play three and four, gives you some legitimate size, and, and does some things offensively that are nice, but no team's gotten better with Rudy Gay ever.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're like if you're Chicago, do you do you see if you can do it just because they've had so many injuries? You know, Miritich is out past the All Star break with his with his medical issues. Uh, Noah's out for the year. I mean, do you do you take that risk and maybe you don't have to give up too much? Maybe you give up Taj Gibson and you can play a little bit faster, a little bit you know more perimeter oriented, which Fred Hoiberg seems to want to do. Rudy Gay's not a horrible defender, well, I mean, he's not Taj Gibson, but he's not a horrible defender. He's, there's some versatility there. Uh, you know it probably takes more than just Taj Gibson, maybe Taj Gibson, Tony Snell, but they don't really have wings to give right now, but I don't know like maybe that's a team that tries to reshuffle a little bit
1: yeah uh, I think that could make sense. There are some rumors by the way, you mentioned Joe Johnson, but if uh if they weren't able to get something for him in a trade that he could even be released or, right. or bought out of his contract. And then uh, word is that he would then go to Cleveland and sign with the Cavs and make them a lot better. Uh, you know that's obviously great for Cleveland. If the Nets could get something in a deal for him, I imagine they'd prefer that over the the money savings for this season. Yeah, but it's uh, it, such a big contract. On the other rubber. hand, is right. On the other hand, is that worse? You know, is trading for Derrick Rose better for them than just waving him outright?
2: No, but if I, I mean, maybe this is petty. If I'm Joe Johnson, I'm taking every penny. Of that contract. Yeah. I'm not agreeing to a buyout. Because you can just
1: go sign with Cleveland next year. That's true, but, I mean, you've got... They're, if they're they not, win the title this year... They're not winning the title
2: this okay, year. Right. And, <laughs> you know, you, you just ride that out. You get to live in Brooklyn for the rest of the season... He, Brooklyn, looks, he seems miserable. In the spring. Oh, yeah. Everyone there is miserable.
1: The, like, I, I had a chance to interview him after the Jazz played the Nets in yeah. Brooklyn, and he was, I mean, just despondent after, you know, and sure, the Jazz beat you by 25, that's how you're supposed to be, but he was not excited to answer any questions and was, was a sad puppy.
2: That's a lot of boredom. Yeah. That's a lot of boredom to endure as a player.
1: I suspect that he would probably be willing to give up a couple of his million dollars to go to to cleveland the great city that it is yeah and everyone's
2: clamoring to get there anyway
1: uh there was a fun trade rumor that said the nets by the way have reached out to atlanta for paul Millsap, which uh, they don't can't happen uh, all right but in maybe I can make this work. I
2: already got them Dwight Howard and Derrick Rose. Maybe I can get them Paul Millsap too. It's a little harder to do, but uh, you know, let me work on it for an hour.
1: All right, we're, we're, you should be the Nets GM. They haven't decided any on anybody yet. Look,
2: I can't be any worse than what they had before. No,
1: walk up to Prokhorov and be like, "Look, I already have your plan I have set be- in stone. This is this is what we're gonna yeah. do. This is what you get when you hire Zach Harper as GM.
2: You wanted Dwight three years ago. You didn't get him. I can get you him and." I know as much about the salary cap and the CBA as Billy King did.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So you're not getting worse.
1: <laughs> I think you have a lot to offer.
2: I have a synergy account, so you don't have. Well, I probably, I probably want their synergy account. Yeah, <laughs> they pro- I mean, I have a good one, but they probably have a better one.
1: <laughs> they, yeah, they they probably they probably pay more for it and, right. and whatnot. But anyway, Zach Harper, Nets GM, make it happen. Um, all right. This one doesn't fall into any category of firings or uh, injuries, but Markeith Morris choked and shoved Archie Goodwin in the huddle last night. Markeith Morris is is probably not a good teammate.
2: Doesn't seem like it, and then he – and granted, the fan kind of deserved it because the fan said some things to him, but as he was walking out of the tunnel, there's like a Facebook video of this fan yelling at him, and then he Mm. yells an expletive back at the fan. So then at first it was reported like, Markeith Morris cussed out a fan in the tunnel. I was like, well, then that's not really what happened. But <laughs> the fan
1: cussed out Morris. You take, then...
2: yeah, you take all these isolated incidents, and they're all Markeith Morris. He doesn't, he doesn't seem like the best guy to employ.
1: No, I, but and the Suns desperately want to move him. And again, it's a situation where he's uh, uh, ostensibly talented, but is anybody going to take that on? And, and yeah. possibly ruin seems, whatever they've got. Seems going. not fun. Uh, all right, let's go straight to coach firings. Um, sure. <laughs> Let's start with the actual firing. I Derek Fisher was fired by the Knicks on Monday. This really surprised me. I figured he'd he'd be there for longer because of the Derek Fisher Phil Jackson relationship. Well,
2: they gave him like five years, twenty five million, right? So they're eating a lot of. I know they have money, but they're eating a lot of contract there. And with with Derek Fisher, I mean, it it, you have to be careful with what rumors you listen to. It doesn't sound like he was the best guy for that team for Uh, the for the players.
1: I loved Woj's report that it was like, you know, he went to go leave practice during uh, training camp to go see his girlfriend right. in, on, in California, i.e. Mrs. Matt Barnes. And that went well. And so that, that went well. But then the the great line in that was, where would he have gotten the idea that it was okay to leave your team to go see your girlfriend <laughs> in California? <laughs> Cough Phil Jackson. Like, it's an interesting thing that he's the guy who's actually firing him is, is the guy who did the same thing 15 years ago it's when just, he was with, with Chicago. It's just the
2: thing where Phil's like, why would you do this? And Derek's like, I learned
1: it from watching <laughs> you.
2: Like, that's just the entire situation.
1: Yeah. I, that's, it really feels like that except, you know, Derek's not coaching yeah. Michael Jordan and, and Kobe Bryant and right. the rest of it. And, and, and a little bit that the triangle just isn't going to work as well in 2015 than it, as it did in, you know, 90, 96. Well,
2: especially because, like, all the good offenses have picked apart the triangle, what they like from it, and have implemented it into the, a much more, like, you know, open style of play. Right. And so, like, all this read and react stuff is no longer revolutionary. It's just kind of like the smart teams do it.
1: Yeah. You don't have to play the triangle in order to get the benefits right, of exactly. the triangle. Uh, and, yeah. You're
2: a smart person. Let me run this by you real quick. All right. Um, I've always thought that, especially with the Knicks, You run like pick and roll heavy stuff for the first like 12 to 16 seconds of the shot clock, and then you go into the triangle if you don't have a shot at the end of the shot clock to get a quick, like decent look. I felt like that was maybe the best way to balance the the triangle for them.
1: Yeah, I think that would make sense. And I honestly, I think a little bit Derek Fisher was kind of going that way. Trying to, Uh, yeah, it seemed like it. And
2: especially when he had Jerry and Grant in the game.
1: Right, but it seems now that Phil Jackson is going to be hiring a triangle coach long term. Yeah, certainly Kurt Rambis in the short term is going to be, I think, more triangle heavy than Derek Fisher showed for this season. Yeah, and. Again, I don't. I don't know if that'll work. So I agree with you. I think the right way to do that is as kind of a, a last ditch scenario. You know, it's funny. Like when Al Jefferson was in Utah, I thought that's the perfect offense, right? You run 16 seconds of stuff, and then right. worst case, get the ball to Al and, and the post, and you're gonna he shoot. pump fakes
2: eight times and then takes a shot. Right,
1: and you, you know you've got like a one ish points per possession off that because sure. he's he's good at what he does. But, it feels like you could do a similar thing with the triangle.
2: Yeah. Well, the good news though is now that I know he's I know he's under contract with another team, but now that R- Rambus is the coach of the Knicks, he can acquire Ryan Hollins and play him over Christoph <laughs> Porzingis, much like he played Ryan Hollins over Kevin Love when he was coaching the Timberwolves.
1: Was it Ryan Hollins or Ryan Gomes?
2: Well, both actually. But oh, okay. yeah, this is, <laughs> the more egregious one was Ryan Hollins.
1: <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Which is incredible, by the way, given that Ryan Gomes is not in the league anymore. Right. But, but like, yet you'd still Ryan be like, I understand the, the Gomes thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the bad one there. Right. Anyway. Uh, and then the Kings. like sure. This whole Kings deal. So it was reported, Mark Stein of ESPN reported that he was, the, the Kings were going to fire him after Wednesday's game. And then he reported that the Kings decided not to fire him at the end of Wednesday's game. And then Woj kind of steps in and says, no, look, the Kings never actually decided to fire him They were just talking about it, but it never actually happened or whatever, which I think is probably the Occam Razor explanation there is because otherwise you're choosing to fire a guy ahead of time. And if knowing your organization, that's going to get out, I guess.
2: Right. But this is the king. So like that's true. You can't apply a ton of logic to it.
1: It could have. That's you're right. That would have been the most logical approach is not necessarily the king's approach, right? The thing is that George Carl is a good coach in a vacuum. He's yes. N- I don't he hasn't done a good job coaching this team. They're not really buying in. Well, he
2: struggles with stars too. I mean, he he struggled with uh I mean, he tried to run Ray Allen out of Milwaukee. Yeah. Or, yeah, Milwaukee. Um when, you know, when he took over the Nuggets, he wasn't a huge fan of Carmelo, which, you know, un- relatively understandable, but um but still like Melo was at his well, not at his best, but like a budding star at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets to Sacramento, and it seems like right away, it's almost like this establish your your presence with authority situation where it's like, all right, well, I, now I'm here. I'm going to get the star out of here, like move cousins and whatever. And it's, it's this weird thing where like, you're right, in a vacuum, George Carl, his stuff is really good. His stuff works, and you can win a lot of games with that. I don't know that it has postseason success, but you can at least like be in the conversation for – succeeding
1: which the kings haven't been right you you see why they hired him
2: but like you have to get the players on board if the players aren't on board it's your job to find the the compromise and he didn't find any compromise like he's just been unwilling to bend at
1: all right and and i I mean defense is really the side of the ball that's worrying there yeah they're so Uh, bad defensively and it's hard because a lot of it is like rondo's not trying at all right. on the defensive end i mean i remember what was it a month ago when sacramento came in here and just watching him in person yeah. actively not try is is kind of incredible he'll pretend to try for a couple seconds right and then like uh, once you make him run through a screen or something yeah it's like, like yeah. it's like
2: if i'm playing pickup and i like i'll slap the floor as the guy brings the ball up the floor and then at that point like that's all the energy I have for defense. <laughs> that's,
1: you, yeah, exactly yeah. that's 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 what rondo does uh and the rest of their perimeter defense is not much better no it's really bad Willie Colley Stein might be their best defender and he's a rookie
2: yeah and I think cousin. I think Cousins is a good defender good team defender but he's not defending the perimeter and that's right. where all their problems are right
1: uh so but still employed still employed though sure. apparently they had a five minute conversation yeah. uh, over the phone and they were like well maybe do better on the defense thing and and right. we'll keep you around i guess i
2: like that that's the conference. like vlade's like uh, i don't know if you tried defending George's like all right i'll <laughs> i'll see I don't, I don't like these cockamamie you know theories of yours but i'll try the defensive thing
1: it's just such a mess i mean why why is vlade the gm there
2: because he played on the 2002 Kings and they're hiring all of the two that like why are they Bobby hiring Jackson's all the an 2002 analyst that, Kings? that George Carl's agent once fired now like pages in the front office um I'm sure they're trying to find Jason Williams to bring him back like it's it's just this familiarity why well,
1: it's why like because that's the Vibak only wasn't there but
2: that's the only time the Kings have been good and you have to market this and so, like I don't think a lot. Like I think the Sacramento fan base is pretty up on the team, but I think they're if they're casual fans of Sacramento, you're like, hey, remember Vlade? He when we were good, they're like,
1: all right, we'll buy he tickets. He runs the team now. Right. Is, is any fan really saying that? Like Vlade, the guy in the suit used to be good. So you he's- know, like the corporate the corporate people buying tickets might, the people okay.
2: buying luxury boxes might. Like Maybe. that's not always the smartest sect of the fan base. Yikes. Yeah. Or they could just be good. New arena opening in October. Come <laughs> see them. Oh,
1: no. He'll be standing in the tunnel, shaking his head at the bad defense. Uh, Yeah. Some injuries to talk about, too. Uh, Marcus Gasol suffered a broken foot and could miss the remainder of the season. That is probably the biggest one in terms of impact. Huge, and, yeah. and he, you know, he's so much of what the Grizzlies do.
2: Yeah. he's. I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the league. He's maybe one of the 20 most important players in the league. Um, they're really going to have to search for some kind of good play with Zebo and and Jeff Green is the two bigs
1: and that just sounds like a nightmare yeah and who's who's the third big now it's Brandon Wright's not healthy I think it's yet it's Ryan Holland so yeah so that's not again it like it's traded to the Knicks. <laughs> well <laughs> maybe i mean kurt rambis does if he has any say as a coach maybe that's who he goes out and acquires right. you know, maybe or maybe could, may, ryan gomes
2: is available <laughs> it's,
1: what, what is ryan gomes up to do we have any idea i can't imagine i don't know we'll google it and let everyone know during the break because sure. probably they like they the province curious. play-by-play
2: guy or something
1: uh let's see what else oh pow gasol by the way you mentioned looking at possibly 20 million per season in the next deal a gasol yeah uh, aside
2: that just shows how crazy the money's going to be like a 35 year old Pau gasol who's still good but like he's going to get crazy paid
1: yeah uh okay more injuries jimmy butler is out three to four weeks we'll miss the all-star game gasol has been his replacement there's a tie in there it'll sure. happen yeah uh but chicago's looking really flimsy right now i mean they're, and they're
2: only like the seven seed
1: they're starting uh mike dunleavy etuan moore and then taj gibson Pau gasol and kirk heinrich right now right yeah so that's, that's not, not great. a great starting lineup. No, no, and and it's not one of those. It's not like a Pelican situation where their bench is very good. As a result, it's, right? It's that those are the, probably their, no. You're just looking for guys in Chicago best who can pick up a basketball, right? Uh, Manu Ginobili is out a month because something terrible happened to his testicular region, and I would prefer never to talk about that ever again.
2: God bless you, man. <laughs> I just
1: feel so bad for the guy. It I just be. do. That can't be fun. Uh, the Clippers suspended Blake Griffin for four games for punching out a trainer. Of course, his hand is broken, so he's still out for a little bit of time for for the injury itself. He's also fined another game's uh, pay that will go to what was it? Disadvantaged children? Yeah, some charity in, in the they, LA they up, area. Yeah. Um, there's still trade rumors going around Blake Griffin. It's pretty. I, I think it's pretty clear he's not going to be traded. No. Uh, and I mean, is this four game suspension right? to you I feel it feels right
2: you know okay. like what he did was not good they have to address it you can't just let it go um you know the the injury is kind of the real punishment right, right. and then when he comes back you know it maybe it's just for for looks but you had to do something in four games seems I don't know if it's fair but four games seems like a good amount yeah I,
1: I I think they I was a little bit surprised they didn't choose to do more and and put a little bit uh more attention on it I guess and sure. and, and kind of make a statement if you will but uh, four games seems fair to me. Anyway, and our last segment of the show, uh, of, sorry, of the uh, segment, the last segment of the segment. Does that work? The sure. last part of the segment? We're doing LOL Lakers. All right. Uh, just a couple LOL Lakers things, both involving Kobe, because really the Lakers are Kobe at this point, for better and mostly for worse. Uh, Tyron Liu had an interesting story now that he's available to the media all the time. Where he blocked Kobe's shot in practice, so then Kobe wanted to fight him for the rest of the season, and then asked to play one on one against Tyron Lu, which to his massive credit he said no. Right. He was like, "No, I'm going to lose. That. <laughs> Why would I do that?" <laughs> and then Kobe wanted to play one on one against every single new Laker acquisition in order to assert his dominance.
0: You got to dominate somebody. Weird.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're confident. They're a confident bunch, and they, they need to show that they're that's more the manly. Like,
1: so, confidence I get. But if you are truly confident, isn't true confidence knowing that you're the best player without having to show it?
2: No, that's why they're on the bright <laughs> stages of the NBA. they gotta they got to show it.
1: But do you have to show it in practice?
2: Yeah, you, you got to show, show it at all times. T- because the media is going to show in- up and be like, hey, what happened today? Well, Kobe destroyed Luke Walton in a game of one on one. All right, that's our game story. <laughs> But of course he did. Like, I I don't know. It'd be a bigger story if they played and then Kobe didn't win. So you got to win.
1: That's true. Yeah. If you're definitely going to challenge a guy, you have to win. Absolutely. And then uh, Paul George, the the Pacers came back against the Lakers. and They were down four in the final minute and then ended up winning by six. Uh, But Paul George was asked, how did you drive by Kobe on a critical play? And Paul George answered, well, he is old, which is accurate. And
2: he looked old on that play because he went right by
1: him. I couldn't believe that they actually kind of had that matchup.
2: Well, that was uh, what I was asking on Twitter during that time. I was like, why is Kobe guarding Paul George? Like, is this just a, like a nice send-off of like, hey, Paul, <laughs> I really respect what you're becoming as a player. I'm going to let you get points <laughs> against me right now.
1: I mean, maybe Kobe challenged him to a one-on-one. Maybe he did. And <laughs> Are Paul just... George
2: and Teron Liu tight? Maybe that was like some revenge right there. I
1: like it. Yeah. Uh, that's a good theory. Anyway, that's all we've got for our Lakers. I mean... I think there were like five Byron Scott quotes that I missed. Just but.
2: go look up any Byron Scott quote, and it's all dumb. It's just all really <laughs> stupid.
1: It'll be interesting to see what they do with the trade deadline. I mean, they they don't really have assets. Yeah. Um, They've got some they veterans that up, maybe you could, but you could pawn off. But it doesn't seem great. Yeah, it's not a great situation. But that's why we do hashtag lol Lakers every week. Yep. So, woohoo! All right, we got to take a break. On the other side. It's All-Star Weekend this weekend, which we haven't really talked about. Dunk contest, three-point contest, and the skills challenge with the smalls and the bigs. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show. ESPN 700. Oops, on
0: ESPN 700.
1: Welcome back in to the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, You may have just heard that promo for the the All-Star game, which you can listen to here on ESPN 700 on Sunday. But our favorite part of All-Star action is All-Star Saturday, where they have all the random little contests and stuff. And so we're going to talk about those random little contests and stuff now. My favorite part. First of all, let's... I'm gonna do the dunk contest first so we are sure to have yeah. lots of time to talk about it i love dunk contests
2: it's my favorite part of the weekend i don't buy like i the trendy thing now is to say oh the three-point contest is taking over the dunk contest." no it hasn't dunk contest a great dunk contest or even a, a good dunk contest will beat the greatest three-point contest every time
1: yeah because there's no flexibility in the three-point contest right you're just you're shooting you're you're shooting which i love shooting
2: <laughs> i love to shoot a basketball like don't get me wrong but Dunking's way cooler.
1: Yeah, you don't get any creativity.
2: No, it's not like they're like kicking a ball up there. I mean, maybe that's the way to go.
1: That? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's that's what it's been lacking is, yeah. is if that's not in the rules, then let's let's add it in. Let's right. have uh, I don't know Chris Middleton try it.
2: There should be one rack where like JaVale Mcgee is jumping at
1: you. Yeah, and you just
2: have to shoot over him.
1: I like that. Yeah. Or the or I'm not against a half court shot rack.
2: Right, that could be like. Finish like add another 20 seconds to the round or whatever 15 seconds or whatever you got to run to the half court and and take those shots too.
1: Yeah, I that is actually kind of a bummer. Now the the shooting stars thing is gone where they have I to like take the all the, stars. the half court shots. Like yeah, yeah I, I mean that was really the only reason. Oh, we we have a caller, Yes. <laughs> We have a caller ready to argue about us with about whether or not the dunk contest is good. Oh, come on. And I have to know this is Ben Gaines. We were, we were he was my co-host on the the old Salt City Hoop show. OK, uh, and he is a staunch anti-dunk contest person. Ben, why are you an evil person and, and <laughs> why why should we shame you today?
3: I, so I have to admit, I didn't realize you were that big a fan of the dunk contest.
1: I like it. It's how? Why don't you like it? It's it's like it's only fun. I why know, don't you I like know. fun,
3: Ben? I know. I'm I'm an iconoclast. I I just I feel like what makes an amazing dunk is the drama of the in-game situation with a defender, or you know, like look at think about all the iconic dunks of the last decade. They're all facials. They're all they're all guys getting posterized, I and mean, you just don't get that with the dunk contest. Ben, I can appreciate I can appreciate the athleticism, but it's just I don't know. It's just not the same.
2: If I, if I may have a rebuttal here, Ben, um, Vince Carter put like half his arm in in, in the rim, and it was <laughs> and it was amazing. And last year, Zach Levine threw the ball up in the air, caught it, brought it around his back while back in the air, and and threw down a dunk. And those are. Way cooler to me than than a lot of the in game facials because we don't get those anymore. Really,
3: I, I mean, I, I I respect that. I didn't I didn't mean for that to come across. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've but. shamed him out of his opinion. <laughs> no, I I mean, I don't I don't think there's a right answer here. I just I have I never mean, I do, <laughs> really gotten it. There there have been a few amazing dunk contest dunks, but I mean, you you named two. Give me. Give me three others in the last 10 years that you felt like were iconic. I mean, the Vince Carter thing is this should be the subject of many documentaries, but, but give me a couple others like that.
2: Okay, uh, Jason Richardson against Desmond Mason in 2003, I believe, was a great dunk-off in which Jason Richardson needed a 50 on his final dunk. He goes baseline, throws it in the air, catches it, goes between his legs, reverse style, which we hadn't seen in a dunk contest before, pulls off an incredible dunk, gets a 50... Um, I don't know, like.
1: Dwight Howard put on the Superman cape. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that was iconic. And and I also think like in terms of big man dunks, JaVale McGee's, uh, he dunks on two McGee's dunking on two hoops was was <laughs> incredible too. Or even uh, Blake's like, or no, sorry, Dwight Howard's uh, like dunking on the small hoop and then the big hoop at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah, was yeah. That, that was that was uh, Dwight, right? That sounds right. Anyway, that was cool. Uh, the the birthday cake Gerald Green dunk was great.
2: Here, here <laughs> I will give you this. Uh, anything involving Nate Robinson's been horrible. Right. So that has that really hurt at the dunk contest for years
3: yeah i don't i don't know i i guess i just tend to be it's a different strokes for different folks situation i i tend to not be as into the gimmicks as i think a lot of other guys but you know mazel tov i'm not by no (laughs) means uh (laughs) am i trying to dissuade anyone from watching or enjoying the dunk contest i just i remembered having this conversation i think with andy i didn't realize how into it andy was but I'm sure we talked about this a couple years ago on, on an earlier version of the show. And uh, when, I heard, when I heard the beginning of the show, I, I, just, I, I had to call in before you guys wrapped up. I'll get out of your way. Don't let me harsh anyone's buzz on the dunk contest. But I've, had, I've said my piece, and now we can just enjoy All-Star Weekend.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Ben. That was Old Man Ben Gaines joining us, (laughs) telling
2: us to get off his lawn. Ben's got to recognize he's talking to two pretty accomplished dunkers here. Like (laughs) this
1: is—he's talking to the wrong crowd. I mean, I've got a
2: nerf hoop. In my apartment, that is, it's, it's seen its fair share of dunks.
1: Not the, like, little Tykes plastic one?
2: No, but I'll get one of those and dunk all over it.
1: Those are those are pretty sweet. I mean, I would always, like, lower my basketball hoop to oh, seven yeah. or eight feet and yeah. do some cool stuff. Yeah. If you're not, what? Are, yeah, what are you doing? I like doing? you
2: giving yourself a little boost there, saying seven or eight feet.
1: <laughs> okay, seven. <Yeah. laughs> Fine, it was seven feet. Let's be real. But uh, I could dunk on the eight-foot one, but I wasn't doing any tricks. Right,
2: you're not going, like, you're not reversing or, like, a windmill or anything right. like that. Yeah.
1: And, you know. I was 12. I'll defend myself that way. (laughs) Anyway, the field this year, we haven't even talked about this. Uh, Zach Levine's in it again, uh, defending champion Andre Drummond, Will Barton, and Aaron Gordon. Uh, I know you like Aaron Gordon's chances uh, against Zach Levine, who's a clear favorite.
2: Yeah, I think he can challenge him. I'll still take Zach Levine. Like, Zach Levine just does absurd stuff. He's
1: just the best like he, he was doing like leaper his, in the league.
2: He's doing like his secondary dunks last year. Yeah. Um, and, so that, there's and that's more what he did. There's more to see this there's year. There's crazy more to see okay. with what he can do. Cool. Yeah,
1: I, I, I he's gonna you, put on a show. Like, I really think. Do you he, know what he's? I know two of the seen? things he didn't
2: do last year. I haven't seen them. I heard. I can heard about you, them. Can
1: you describe them? Uh, one involves
2: something absurd. Like, so there's something almost unthinkable from the free throw line. Okay. That is amazing. Okay. And then there's one that he sort of did, uh, off this off the side, the support, but he can do something way cooler with it.
1: Awesome. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's going to watch anyway, but even Ben Gaines, I'm sure, will be in now that you've, I'll, you've I'll teased that. I'll say this.
2: If Zach Levine does this stuff in this year, he'll have been a better dunk contest participant than Vince Carter. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's Vince is good. the all time great. He's, he, he's, but what Vince never did was back it up with another one. If true. Zach does that, I think you got to
1: consider it. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm watching. All right. You've Saturday night. set me up to be disappointed, but I'm, 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 I'm ready for this. <laughs> Uh, Zach Levine cannot
2: disappoint you unless he's playing defense. That's what I'll say. <laughs> or point guard.
1: Or pa- right. <laughs> or the other basketball things. But anyway, uh, three-point contest. Zach Levine may also disappoint you in shooting. Is that sure? Right? Yeah, not, not a great shooter. <laughs> he's not in the three-point contest. But Devin Booker, Chris Bosh, Steph Curry, James Harden, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, J.J. Reddick, and Clay Thompson are the eight participants in alphabetical order. Uh, Steph was the winner last year. I think he's again probably the favorite yeah Uh, and I love clay Thompson's
2: chances clay's just you know maybe maybe the second greatest shooter of all time I don't know like maybe that's too soon to say but he's Hmm. he's historic like if you look at his I think he's in his fifth year now first five years I don't think anyone's made more threes than he has in his first five years
1: interesting so wow I I like Clay's chances. I mean Steph is Steph. Yeah, I'll still go with Steph, but
2: because that would be just be stupid not to take him. But I think Clay's got a great chance. I
1: I like the field though because you you do have like Devin Booker in there. You've got yeah. a, a young guy who's going to be fun. Hometown and guy got Kyle Lowry, Chris Bosh, which is yeah. Kyle Lowry's in there, and he's a great three point yeah. shooter. Chris Bosh is a big, which is fun. Um, anyway, and but the skills challenge to me is is probably I. Wanna see I'm more excited to see the skills challenge this year than the three point contest. I'm with you. Because of the introduction of the big men. Yeah. I mean, the skills challenge has always been a, a kind of blase affair. But this year we've got the Marcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, and Carl Anthony Towns all in a bracket uh, against and then the the smalls of Jordan Clarkson, C.J. McCollum, Emmanuel Mudiay, and Isaiah Thomas will will be in their own bracket, and then we'll see the small and big kind of face off in in a final competition of of who is best at dribbling and passing and shooting. Like I'm just really excited to see like Demarcus Cousins runs down the floor and dribble sure, long, and like going lot. around the
2: cones and yeah. throwing the passes. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, my pick, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, it's his to world win now.
1: The, Even even over the guards,
2: I think so. Why not? He's probably a better shooter than all those guys well, except CJ McCollum. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, you're right. Even better than Isaiah uh, Thomas, like he can shoot a I little think bit.
2: He's comparable to Isaiah Thomas. Okay. And he's got a long stride. Don't count out that long stride.
1: Yeah. No, you're you're right. It's, I'm excited to see what happens because be it great. could be a train wreck. Oh, it could be and really if it's a bad. Train wreck, then it'll be That's even super better entertaining. If right. it's a
2: train wreck, then next year we're getting Javel in it. We and have If it's to.
1: close, right? Then it, and if it's close, then it's even like. That's that's entertaining for its own re- yeah. reasons. It's dramatic. It, it's
2: a win-win situation no matter what.
1: Yes. Anyway, lots of stuff to look forward on All-Star Saturday. I guess there's a game Sunday, too, that you can watch... But uh, to me, Saturday is always the the highlight of the whole week,
2: And really, the game you should just be listening to on the radio, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) on on ESPN 700, everybody's (laughs) favorite radio station. Speaking of which, we're going to take a break. (laughs) Uh, Next, we're going to be talking to Gordon Hayward. uh, Had a Players' Tribune article written in his own words on why he's a video gamer and... what he likes about that and whatnot. Anyway, that's next on the Salt City Oop Show. ESPN
0: 700. I I Alright, yeah.
2: so that's
1: Gordon Hayward <laughs> <laughs> in his infamous rap, Too Big Yo. He was too big, yo, this week against Dallas. I mean, hitting a game winner in overtime—that's that's too big, yo. That's pretty big. He actually, those lyrics are surprisingly a- accurate as to what he he pulled off in game to to win the game. I'll, it is, me, yeah. Let me pull up the the lyrics because it is actually pretty close. The reason we're playing Gordon Hayward, by the way, is that he had an article uh, in today's Player Tribune. Had, like I'm pretending like it's a paper that. <laughs> They have a today. I went and and bought a Tribune today, the Players (laughs) Tribune, and he had a great cover. Yes, wrote it indubitably well. I don't know why indubitably is an old word, but it It is is an old word. Uh, (laughs) And so, anyway, he he writes about how he, you know, likes video games and how he had to call uh, Coach Brad Stevens at at Butler at the time and say, "Hey, is it okay if I play in this Halo tournament because I might win some money if I win?" and That was a probably an unusual situation for sure. Stevens to find himself in.
2: Um it may, like he's like I mean everyone knows this by now but like Gordon Hayward's like like nationally good at at playing these games, which is I don't know why that's weird to me. Um I, maybe it's just because I'm so bad at these first person shooter games. Uh but it's like it is it's a, that's a weird skill to have. And, like, I've got really good hand-eye coordination. Like, I'm good at video games, but the first-person shooter games, for whatever reason, I'm really bad at. And, obviously, he has better hand-eye coordination, and so maybe that helps. But he's, like, it's just we That's a weird skill to be so good at. Like, he could play any first-person shooter and, and be great at it.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, that he's also, you know, like, good at the NBA. Is-
2: yeah, I'm not as good at the NBA <laughs> as he is. I would say that. I feel confident in saying that.
1: Um no but it, it is like an interesting thing and, and it's it's kind of cool to like that that for example Jim Rome or Colin Coward goes after him for for liking video games. Right. And so often fans were like why are you spending time on video games? Why aren't you practicing basketball and being better? Uh and for him to kind of defend his hobby and and say like no this is a thing that reasonable people do not just nerds right. is 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 kind of cool for any hobby not just this one, I guess. I'll
2: say this. I'll take any of them on at 2K.
1: Yeah? I feel very confident in my abilities at 2K. Are you Are you better than Tony Jones as a 2K? I don't
2: almost guarantee it. Okay. Like, Tony, I know he f- travels with it. He
1: travels he, with his Xbox. He brings a
2: second controller. <laughs> That's
1: that blew, you blew you my mind.
2: Him. That blew my mind.
1: I missed the opportunity to play him while we were stuck in, in New York, uh, yeah. and I highly regret it.
2: I will say that I it would uh, he'd probably get the first game because I'd have to get back used to the Xbox controller, but okay. after the first game, I feel pretty good.
1: Okay, who? I mean, do you have a specific team that you guys go to? I can I can go with anybody.
2: Okay, any team that has a gunner, I like. I ju- I can just I can make it cook. Yeah. yeah, that's fair.
1: Uh, I've I mean I've talked with Gordon a little bit about FIFA, which we both play and I I'm think I'm is... really bad at that really I'm really bad at that uh, like I'm I'm fairly good at FIFA yeah. like I I don't I'm not bragging that I could be anybody at it like yeah. some people sure off you, <laughs> but uh <laughs> I, I I'm I'm okay I, I I would feel pretty confident that if Gordon Hayward and I played FIFA we'd be I I think I could win
2: I think my problem with FIFA is I I just like one I don't understand soccer all that much and two like I just kind of feel like I, I would I kind of treat it like the NBA Jam of so- of like soccer video <laughs> games, which it's very much not.
1: Yeah, it's it, you have to like build up and stuff. Right, and yeah, it's and just like just... so frustrating not to score a goal. All exactly. The time. No, that's fair. Uh, I, I mean, NBA Two K, it's easier to do that in, but you're still probably missing a little bit if you do it all the time.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, you still have to set things up with actual plays and everything, but for the most part, you can you can find little holes here and there.
1: Yeah. Um. What else? That I have on my list oh the the NBA, so the nBA t- Twitter account and slash uh, I don't know who's really probably Twitter is in charge of this introduced these new emoji for all the all star players this week uh so that if you type in for example, hashtag leBron James, you get a little emoji with a, a king's crown on next to his name with a little C for the Cleveland Cavaliers yes, there are some fun ones here there's some really good ones. Hashtag Paul George gets you a movie ticket with PG 13 on it. Yep. Pretty good. Uh, there's Kobe Bryant gets you, hashtag Kobe Bryant gets you the black mamba snake next to him. I mean, Demarcus Cousins did it first, but we'll, we'll, we're okay with it. (laughs) Uh, Steph Curry and Russell Westbrooks are just kind of their faces, which I think is a little bit underwhelming. Russ
2: has like weird glasses.
1: Yeah. Okay. so. So, you know, a hat tip to his, his interesting choice of style. Sure. Um, I'm told he is like legitimately stylish amongst yeah, people no, he's who like, care.
2: Yeah. He's I mean, it's like a thing for him, which is also Tyson Chandler hmm. very into fashion.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's I'll have to watch because I haven't been I haven't been paying attention to Tyson Chandler's wardrobe. My favorite is the DeMarcus Cousins one. Hashtag DeMarcus Cousins gets you like a, a ghost with a purple headband around it. And it's, it's kind of like a cute little baby yeah, ghost. I can
2: only assume it was meant to signify the coaching career of George Carl, But now <laughs> they just have to like go with the boo for Boogie. Um, I really like the Kawhi Leonard one. I'm a huge Kawhi Leonard guy anyway. Okay. But it's like their claw or, or they're like the hand celebration they do when he hits a three yeah. or when he does something.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was cool and and given that the some of them are not that cool. Like I I wish I don't know the Pau Gasol one is just 16 his his number in in the Bulls lettering. Kevin Durant same thing, just 35 in the Thunder's right. lettering. Like you had all these cool opportunities to do something with Pau Gasol like or Kevin Durant. I I don't know something about how Pau Gasol is the nicest person on the planet Sure. <laughs> like it,
2: just a th- like his just, thumbs up or something just like that. a big Pau smile right or a Pau hug or something yeah. like that.
1: Um what I mean Kevin Durant I know we're, we're like making these up on the fly but there's got to be something like
2: Yeah there's uh, like the 3 point symbol or cuz he has like yeah. those 3 point layups shirts that he did with Nike yeah. like there's got to be something you can I like
1: that, that um paul milsaps is a lunch pail by the way which i kind of like, like a lot andre Drummond's has a his number zero in an actual drum emoji yeah. which is great uh
2: carmelo anthony looks like he's inquisitive as to why his coach just got fired in his face um <laughs> why did this happen Was yeah. it, wasn't me uh the craig sager they also did one for the tnt guys
1: oh did they yeah i didn't see these oh yeah
2: the uh, Shaq is a uh chicken leg or a turkey leg <laughs> okay er- ernie johnson is a bow tie kenny the jet smith is a jet. Charles Barkley is a donut with a bite taken out of wow. it. Wow! Reggie Miller is the three-point symbol, so maybe they didn't do that for Durant for that reason.
1: Oh, give it to Durant rather than Reggie. Yeah, I mean...
2: Marv Albert's a headset. Craig Sager is an ugly tie. Chris Weber's kind of a... I guess it's a web with a C in there. Sorry, I get it. Okay.
1: I thought it was like a Ferris wheel or something. Yeah, it might also be a Ferris wheel. <laughs> maybe he's huge into Ferris Chris wheels. He just really likes those Ferris wheels. So I, why is the Shaq drumstick dripping? I think that's like a
2: barbecue... Like maybe he took a bite out of it. Oh, because well, like, he's got that whole like barbecue chicken thing that, that okay. I guess doesn't really make sense.
1: Uh, I'll allow it.
2: LaMarcus Aldridge remains super boring by having an L train. Yeah, like, He's just a boring person. Not great.
1: Yeah. Anyway, that's our show for today, everyone. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. As always, if you want to listen to uh, the rest of the show, if you missed any of it, check us out on saltcityhoops.com or on ESPN700sports.com. You can also download the podcast as iTunes or Stitcher. This is Andy Larson, Zach Harper signing out. Thanks again, ESPN700.